the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to uh, be together. Boy, we had a day. Uh, Thursday is a historic day as you look back on the history of this um, uh, nation. And I will tell you something. Um, today was the day that I think everybody knows that Joe Biden at most will be a one-term president. Um, he just looks like a wonderful older, older man. I mean, I, I love older people. My wife is a geriatrics physician. She serves people, uh, elderly folks. She loves them. And I'm used to being around them. It's a wonderful thing. But this is the job of uh, this is the leader of the greatest nation in the world. And um, it's hard to see how it turns out well in terms of his health. It's so uh, taxing. And and here's what I well, we'll get to that. I, I got a bunch of things to say on this. We'll get to what you need to know, what you need to know on this. Uh, and let me remind you before we get into the Pro-America Report that you can go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Daily Wink. What you need to know is an email that comes in at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. And you can uh, check it out right there and, and uh, listen in. I mean, excuse me, check in on the Wink email. You will get an uh, included a link where you can listen in uh, to what I think is the most important issue of the day. And then also we will talk, uh, well, there'll be a couple of links to stories and other things that are around. So today we're going to talk to a couple of folks. I will talk with um, the um, a gentleman running for office, running for office. And, uh, you know, people are stepping up to decide that it's time to uh, make a difference. And one of the ways to do that is run for office. So uh, we will talk with to John Ramstead about what what he's doing and what he's about, and we'll see. That's it's it seems a long way off, uh, but it's going to come uh, faster than you think. So it'll be interesting to talk to him. Now, the um, other thing I wanted to uh, tell people about is uh, the next guest today will be um, a a man named uh, Patrick Wood, and he's the founder and director of Citizens for Free Speech, and he's particularly focused on the social media stuff. I've told you the power of social media, big tech. It'll be interesting to hear from Patrick Wood. So we'll get all that, and we'll wrap things up uh, also today as we head towards the weekend. We've got one more day uh, to uh, do a little bit more. But let's listen. What you need to know, let's talk about this press conference. Here's a different take on this. I actually think that um, this is really likely now. I said this before uh, because of Trump and during the Trump era, and, I, and then I backed off of it because I thought, by contrast, he would win. Here's what I said before. I said that the, na- that the, the nature of the big tech and big media now is such that their coverage of a president is so um, never-ending and and so requiring of, uh, it requires agitation, it requires scandal, it requires making people get crazy. And it's I, my instinct uh, a year ago or so was to say, I'm not sure we're ever going to have a two-term president again. Because by the time you get through a full term, you've just worn out your welcome. That's what I feel like happened. Now, I, I tend to think that the media, I, I believe the media was unfair to Trump and that the election was um, really problematic because of the way the media lied and the way the media misled and all. But that's what they do. And when I watch Joe Biden today, 
you know, he had answers to some questions. He seemed confused at other times. But, you know, I don't think he will be um, a, a two-term president no matter what. Now, with him, it feels like it's because of his age. But I also think just by the time, you, again, you wear, you get worn out. And, you know, you wear out your welcome. And very specifically, I mean, he just didn't seem strong enough. Now, here's what I, but I want to back up for a second. If you just landed from the moon and hadn't watched any politics, you would say, oh, well, the, the Americans have a very old and elderly president, but he seems like a nice man. He kind of yells at, at every now and then. Rah, 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 rah. But not the, not the end of the world, right? Some, some nations have uh, senior statesmen that serve as prime minister in, the, in an advanced age. But if you've watched these elections and watched the last few years, he is dramatically diminished from where he was even a year ago. And so the question becomes, you know, yesterday, um, uh, Kamala Harris, the vice president, was assigned by Joe Biden to take on the issue, the big issue of of the um, of the border. And you kind of wonder yourself, is he doing her a favor or punishing her? Because it's almost a no win situation. But there it is. But, you know, what you when you see a president like that in that press conference, you realize he's not running the day to day. He may be running the big picture. But I'll tell you what the underlying message that I got is he knows he's on borrowed time, meaning that he's not going to be more than one term at most. And I think he's getting ready to go for it. What I heard there was he was alluding he attacked Republicans in Congress. He said he had the support of the American people and the Republicans. He doesn't, but he says it and the media will cover it. The media will now cover it and say, oh, yeah, the Republicans in Congress don't uh, agree with Biden, but the people do. It's nonsense. But they say it and they cover it and they try to make it true. I think he's going to go for it, meaning I don't think he cares what is what will happen. And by go for it, I mean break the filibuster. Because I had lunch uh, early Thursday, a midday Thursday, not an early lunch, a regular lunch, with, a, a, with an author. He's been on the program, uh, Joe Johnston, and he wrote a book called The Decline of Nations. And uh, as we're talking, he said, look, Ed, they're this close. And he held his hands, his hands, his thumb and his finger together with just a little space. They were this close to them getting control of the whole shooting match and basically creating the Democrat Party as one party control. That's what H.R. 1 would do. That's what statehood for uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico would do. And that's what he thinks, Joe Johnson, that they're about to do. And I tend to agree. When you watch Joe Biden, you say to yourself, he's been convinced that his legacy play, his legacy play, the way he can be, you know, compared to FDR is to go for it and to go for, you know, ending the filibuster and jamming through legislation. I really think that's what they uh, I think that's what they're getting hoping to do. Now, it may still fall apart because of uh, personalities, but I doubt it. I think you're going to see a um, unbelievable effort to absolutely positively uh, change this country. And if H.R. 1 passes, as someone said yesterday, I was visiting with a senior aide up on Capitol Hill for a congressman. He said, yeah, most of it's unconstitutional, but good luck getting through the courts. You know, good luck fighting through the courts with federal judges that are antagonistic and the Supreme Court that doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't really uh, seem to be as conservative as you expect. It's um, it is uh, going to be a quite a um, quite a challenge 
Let's say it that way. Quite a challenge to see what happens and what will be going on in the next uh, couple of uh, 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 next couple of months. And what Biden signaled today was he is ready. He is ready to uh, go ahead and uh, and and lead all the way with this and and jam it through. And I think um, I think that the um, the showdown is going to come in the next um, next two or three weeks, probably between now and say April fifteenth or so. And uh, I, I think that's what you're going to see. It's uh, it's shaping up that way. So watch for that. Watch for that. All right. The other thing in the uh, in the um, uh, press conference is, did you notice the softball nature of the questions? I mean, I guess part of it is the media's finally got a press conference, so they didn't want to be too hostile. Uh, but I also think it's just that they don't they don't want to be hostile to the Democrat, to Joe Biden. And so the questions were softball questions, and then uh, sometimes Biden actually answered the question, which is not a that's not a distinguishing characteristic. You know, most politicians know, you know, you don't answer the question you're asked; you answer the question you want to answer. And uh, so that's not a surprise at all. And I think, um, you know, and, and I'd say this: Biden has played big league ball, meaning he's played at the highest levels for a long time, and he knows how to do this. And so I think he is, um, you know, I think his he was passable. In this, in the in the sense that he didn't stumble and fall apart, right? He he came across on in a certain way. He was presidential. He wasn't a sophisticated president. He wasn't uh, really strong in terms of any any aspects of it. But he was um, he was good enough in a way until you realize how much he's diminished. Until you realize how much he's diminished, and that's what you uh, you, you kind of focus on. All right, uh, let me get um, a couple more things out of the way. I just got a minute left here. Uh, I want to remind you uh, that the president of the United States has said, oh, excuse me, I guess the former president, Donald Trump, has talked about a new uh, social media platform. I was I reached out to some folks and said, what does that mean? Nobody knows. I'm not sure it's real yet. I think it was a way to have people talking. I don't know how you do that. What does it look like to roll out a new platform? I just am not sure what that looks like. So we'll see. But I know one of you texted me about it and said, you know, why doesn't he just go on Gab or Parler? And I don't know the answer to that, except I think there's limitations to each of them now. Uh, Gab in the sense that they are radically for free speech and therefore they have some real kooks there um, that, may, you know, you don't really want to end up next, you know, next to. And Parler just has sort of had its, had its problems on its way, uh, fits and starts. So we'll see what happens. All right. OK, let me remind you also, please visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. You can get in touch with me directly. I know some folks have been doing that recently, especially after the um, show. If you're listening on the podcast, ed at edmartinlive.com. Ed at edmartinlive.com is an email address. You can go on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, on Gab and Parlor at Ed Martin, and over on Facebook, Ed Martin Live. So any of those ways to get to me, and we will catch up. All right, take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest, I got an email from our uh, the king, the poobah of the Answer San Diego, Steve Brodsky, forwarded and said, uh, this is one you ought to look at, uh, a gentleman named John Ramstead, who has a new book coming out in a few weeks. It's called On Purpose with Purpose, and uh, he uh, is a dynamic guy, and he's been through a lot, and I looked at it, checked it out. His publicist sent me a copy of the book. I haven't read the whole book, uh, to be honest, uh, but I have uh, gone through some chapters. As my listeners know, John, that I... I like to read the first chapter and the last chapter, no matter what. Uh, and I have uh, done that already with yours. So, but anyway, first of all, welcome, John, to the program. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Ed. 
Well, it's great to have you on. And let me so first start off by saying you mentioned in here and you said off the air you went through the went through adversity. Tell me where what the, what your bottom was. We've had we've had on General Mike Flynn. He's a friend of mine, and uh, obviously he went through this uh, this uh, terrible ordeal. And uh, he often says when you get all the way to the bottom, that's when you learn a lot about who your friends are and and who your family is and how and the, where the Lord fits in. So tell me about some of the adversity you faced. Well, let's see. Uh, in 2011, um, I was at the top of my career professionally. Ed, I was involved. I had founded the Colorado Faith and Freedom Coalition. I partnered up with mm. Ralph Reed to do that. Um, I, I don't think I'd ever been uh, busier professionally. And then a friend of mine who was on the board of Family Talk, Dr. Dobson's blood focus to go to uh, Family Talk, invited me to a mm-hmm. retreat that he was doing up in Montana just for a small group. And that was on, yeah. I flew up in, the, in this fall day on a Thursday. On Friday, we're supposed to go horseback riding to the back of this property and just have mm-hmm. lunch and get to know each other. And I'm on this horse, and it, it uh, was the first one saddled. It, it just starts trotting out into this big open area, and then it just bolts and takes off. Wow. I was scared to death I was going to wow. flip off the back of this horse and get kicked in the head. So I squeezed with my legs as hard as I could, and, you know, I did not read the owner's manual. I did not know I was telling him to go faster, and he absolutely responded. And I get back in the saddle, and I'm looking ahead about 80 yards in front of us. We're heading just straight at this uh, whole bunch of uh, steel uh, fencing around paddocks and corrals. Wow. And um, I tried to get him to turn. I tried to get him to stop. Uh, He would do neither. Every time I tried to get him to turn, he'd just go faster in the same direction literally just start panicking. Uh, I mean, I've been in combat as a fighter pilot. I've been shot at. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of things in my life. I've had businesses fail. Nothing prepared me for that moment. And the last thing I remember, right in front of the fence at full speed, was thinking very clearly, this is not going to end well. Wow. And, um, Holy cow. The horse, uh, what's that? I know it's an amazing story. Keep going. No, I mean I'm like uh, I didn't I didn't I didn't say, yeah keep going. This was compelling. Yeah. Go so ahead. what happened was uh, I didn't see this. Uh, people there told me afterwards the horse dropped his butt and bucked so hard he flipped over and landed on his side. Rumpfer slammed into the fence, and when he did that, I went Superman into the top like a three inch round rolled steel beam, um, crushed the left side of my skull. I broke virtually every bone in my head except my right cheek or my jawbone in the in my uh right side of my face i broke my neck um i shattered my shoulder yeah i also uh to add insult to injury the next bar down um crushed the left side of my rib cage and one of the broken ribs punctured my left lung wow all right so you so i gotta keep i got yeah keep going go on well, yeah, we, we found out later from multiple doctors that, that what happened to me was was not survivable. There was actually one of my doctors, he was an internal medicine guy, followed up with me. This was about four years after the accident. He'd been a doctor in Iraq, and what he saw over there just really, he struggled with his faith. He walked away from God. He said, watching you recover. I, he reached out to me and said, I just want you to know that God has used that to reconnect me to him and my faith, because there is nothing medically or physically that could ever explain the fact that not only you're alive, but you can walk and you can talk. And I just, you know, he reached out to me just to share that with me. That's how bad it was when I was laying there on the ground 
And I woke up into the most intense pain I've ever felt in my life. And I didn't even know how bad it was uh, physically. And I didn't know, but I was screaming and yelling and writhing around trying to get away from this pain. And you know that saying, God won't give you more than you can handle? Yeah. Well, I found out that's, I found out that's not true. <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> that's yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I was beyond anything that I could handle. Um, I, I, it's hard to even describe where I was. And then all of a sudden, one of the guys there said, I just watched you look like you were sinking into the ground. Like you just relaxed so completely. He thought he just watched me die. But at, in that moment, I was in God's presence. He was standing hmm. right next to me. Um, the love that was coming off of him was just emanating. It was power. It was perfect. And it was personal. It, this was like between God and John. This wasn't just some, you know, aura that I was in. And uh, it, it also had like a weight to it. It was physical, like when you're laying at the edge of a beach and the waves are come washing up over your body. It was like just this rhythmic. It was just washing over me. And as soon as I felt it, and I didn't know how bad it was, I remember the first thought that crossed my head was, I am not worthy of somebody loving me like this. It was completely wow. unconditional. I knew um, right then, Ed, in that moment, anything I'd ever done in the past, good, bad, or other, was not even relevant to the love and the relationship God had with me right then in the past, you know, in that, in that moment, yeah. it does right now. And hmm. I'm not special. I got to tell you, for me, I never understood, you want to talk about, um, and it got worse from here, just my recovery was not what I expected, but knowing that the God of the universe cared for me individually and feeling mm -hmm. that love and feeling that friendship and that fatherhood all at the same time absolutely was transformational for me. I never connected those dots in my life as a Christian before that. And then um, wow. as, as I felt that love washing over me, all the pain and the panic and the fear was taken away. It was gone. Huh. Um, we're talking with John Ramstead and uh, almost almost has me speechless. Um, his book that's out in a few weeks is called On Purpose with Purpose, Discovering How to Live Your Best Life. Um, so, John, you said it, it, a couple times this after this accident, you recovery wasn't as easy. You, you had this experience uh, of a great faith, though, and you were kind of motivated. So how's it turn out and what's the book say? Give me, give me when you are yeah, telling somebody buy this book, what you know, you were a fighter pilot. You'd figured everything out. Then you got broken all the way down. Um, what's the what's the book tell us about what purpose, how to fit this together? Well, think about this, right? You wake up on the ground because God spoke to me, and he told me he was going to heal me and use this for his glory. It wasn't the healing I expected because I spent the next five weeks in ICU, 20 months in a hospital with a severe traumatic brain injury and 23 surgeries. But in that, I knew I could not go back and do what I was doing before, running a company and building teams. And, and what I realized was my identity had been completely rooted in everything external. You know, what other people's expectations were, what their goals for me was. I think that's why I, I describe it in this book, that season, even though I was so busy, you know, and everybody from exter externally looking at me said, you know, things must be going well. I was in a place of just total smoldering discontent. I was miserable. I wasn't happy. Looking back on it now, mm. I, I wasn't connected. What Here, here it became this quest, Ed, 
to answer two of the most important questions I think we can ask ourselves in this time as I recovered. And and first of all is who is God? What is his true Mm -hmm. nature and what is my relationship with him? And I'll never forget, I was sitting down, I was working with a coach to help me out, to help put the pieces together. And I looked at him and I said, I I don't know, I've been given this amazing second chance at life because I should not be here and I don't know what to do with it. And And I said to my coach, I gotta figure out how I'm wired so I can figure out what's next. So these are my old habits, right? I'm kind of leaving God out of the conversation. He asked me an amazing question. He said, John, what if you asked yourself, how did God wire you? And what did he wire you for? And I got to tell you, Ed, that shift for me was, was one of the most transformational questions I'd ever been asked. And what I realized was, is the person I saw in the mirror, my identity, my limiting beliefs, my mindsets, my habits, and everything was very different than the person God saw when he looked at me. And there was this massive gap. And in, in the past, I was always searching for this purpose for calling. Like, And I always felt this is just me. I, I just felt like I couldn't find it. Like it was this buried treasure and I wasn't equipped or I wasn't worthy to figure out what that was supposed to be. Hmm. What God showed me and when so- I went through this process was I was going about it backwards. When I answered right. those questions, not only who God is, but who he made me to be, think of Ephesians 2.10. Everybody talks about the Ephesians 2.10 calling, but the first part of that is where Christ's perfect workmanship. It was mm-hmm. hard for me at, at first to accept the fact that right now, as I sat damaged, that I'm perfect from his perspective, that what he has planned for me, I'm ready to do that right now without any dependent events. That was, that was, that was a whole new concept for me, Ed. Hmm. It is, uh, it's boy, you, um, I hope you do more radio and talk about this because, uh, it's powerful to hear you. I usually interrupt my guests more. Uh, uh, we're talking again with John Ramstead about his book on purpose with purpose, discovering how to live your best life. It is, uh, coming out in just a few weeks. It's published by Mount Tabor media. You can find it anywhere. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. Uh, you can find out more about it. John, I have to go. Unfortunately, I got to keep uh, to the, to the schedule, but listen, keep us when the book launches in a few weeks, let's touch base again and, and uh, spread the word because it's uh, your story is really powerful. So thank you for your time. I would love to. Thanks for your time, Ed. Appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and come right back. Again, John Ramstad, his book is On Purpose with Purpose, Discovering How to Live Your Best Life. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and uh, we have a very interesting guest. I'm very pleased to uh, talk with him. His name is Patrick Wood. He's the executive director and the founder of an organization called Citizens for Free Speech. Go to citizensforfreespeech.org and find out more about it. He has been uh, he's been a, um, a, a leader in uh, laying out some of the problems of what people call the globalists. The late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, used to say the globalists, uh, including a title which she would love and smile over and would have been uh, so interesting. Probably read it, The Trilaterals Over Washington, Volume 1 and 2, which is about the globalists. I'll leave it at that. And uh, this time he's now talking about citizens for free speech and how the free speech is under attack and what's happening. And so, uh, first of all, welcome Patrick Wood to the program. How are you today, sir? Thank you, Ed. Doing great. And, you know, Citizens for Free Speech is an organization that should not have to exist. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's ironic. This is America. 
the land of free speech, the leader of free speech for the First Amendment for the whole world, and now is under intense attack from every angle conceivable, and literally, in some ways, is hanging by a thread. Well, and so let me ask you about this, because now, I, 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 without being, uh, i got to be careful how I do these things, because I get people get mad at me, but you're not a kid. You know, you've been around, you've been writing for 40 years, so you're not a kid. You've seen a lot of stuff. And, uh, and so what I want to ask you is, how has the transformation of this been in terms of the power? I talk a lot about on this program about the power of big tech and big media together, and how um, it's not so much that they have to censor people as they can you, you don't even know they were silenced in other words they don't in other words they don't have to announce that hey i'm going to keep patrick uh, patrick and ed off the air uh, or off the twitter they ju- you just disappear you don't even know there's no announcement how 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 sort of um almost impossible are the odds when you're faced with these uh the size and scope of big tech and big media well, they're very powerful and they're very rich, no doubt about that, and they have a lot of influence, but you know, nevertheless, they are not God, <laughs> and they can't just get away with everything forever. But having said that, um, we must remember that all of the big tech firms that we complain about today, based in America originally, they are all globalist companies now. They operate all over the planet. They have no allegiance to America really whatsoever, other than maybe they own a house here. But... Uh, This is why big tech has joined the ranks of the global elite to censor the narrative that opposes them. And this is what we see being censored everywhere. And so these big tech companies are unleashed. They're unplugged. um, They're not loyal to any one country. In fact, uh, many of these companies are having trouble in other countries. Um, um, You know, they're getting drawn up before the parliaments and whatever, the, even the dictators in a couple of cases. Like, what are you doing to our mm-hmm. people? Uh, so they're getting flack around the world, but Americans still kind of look to, like, Google, say, oh, that's an American company. It comes from Silicon Valley, you know. Uh, it's not true anymore. Yeah. Uh, by the way, and again, we're talking with uh, Patrick Wood. He's the founder and executive director of the the Citizens for Free Speech. As he said, we all we shouldn't have to have the organization. By the way, Patrick, you can tell a lot about a man by who he hangs out with. Bob France is a great uh, colleague, a great radio host, and he's one of your key leaders, uh, a national director of communications. And the other one is on your board, I think, of advisors is Mindy Patterson. I'm from Missouri, and Mindy Patterson is fearless, fearless uh, fighter for her and her husband for conservatism and and uh, good causes. And and then Alex Newman. Is on there he's the smartest guy i know on a lot of these issues so you got a good cadre of people but but patrick what's the what's the end game i, I mean for you how, how do we you know can we ever rely on government to regulate this can you know do we no, are, you know are you looking at it no and, and where where do we go in order to uh protect our speech yes there there's, I don't think there's any hope in national government right now to solve our problems. I, there may be a little bit of um, help with state governments in certain cases, at least in the really red states. But other than that, I'll tell you what, people, individuals in every community across America, this is, this is where our push is right now, need to get up off their couch, get out of their community and start mixing it up, get, in, get engaged in civil discourse again, which is totally dysfunctional across the country and clean up their own communities right where they live. The only way that a community can survive at this point is to build a firewall against wokeness around their communities, and that's possible to do. Some communities are already doing it, but it takes the involvement of people. 
And the way the First Amendment was crafted, if you don't use it, you don't have it. It's an action-oriented, in fact, it's the only action-oriented amendment we have. You must do the things that the First Amendment lists in order to have those rights in a practical sense. You could say, you could pontificate and say, well, I have those I have those rights. I can speak up anytime I want. But if you're not speaking up, what's the point? We're again. We're talking with uh, Patrick Wood, and uh, and so let me ask you. Let me frame this for you. There is a. I'm trying to find it while I'm talking because I keep saying the title wrong. Um, we're t- Patrick Wood is is the executive director and founder of Citizens for Spe- Free Speech, a, a nation of defenders, and uh, and the uh, there was an essay that uh, uh, Valak Havel wrote, and there it is. It's called. There, get it right. The power of the powerless, and he's writing about the. And he's writing in the late 70s. <clears throat> excuse me, under the communist Soviet communists, and he says. Basically, and I'm way, way summarizing, but um, what happened in that time was the the big powers that be didn't have to censor you. You self-censored because you Mm -hmm. wanted to signal that you were on the right side of the law and you didn't want people to be threatened by being seen with you. And he writes about the danger of self-censorship. It feels like that's... The the, the 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 bigger threat right now is most people don't want the friction of standing up, and over time, it's just better to stand yes. down. Yes, uh, a lot of people feel that way today, and of course, this is one of the objectives of censorship and, and the browbeating and stuff we've been receiving, is just to make people shut up all by themselves so they don't have to be forced to shut up. I will say, yeah. however, that the, the, the vacuum that got created that allowed wokeness to take over our country and communities individually was because there was that vacuum was created by the people who would not speak up. So we we have to re-energize Americans to be fearless enough to to and, and equipped enough to go out into the public arena, whatever that might be for them. And confront these ideas and confront these people in a nice, but not, you know, not to hammer them with a baseball bat, but to have civil discourse again in America. This is how America was built with civil discourse. We must get back to that if there's any hope to avoid the fighting later on. And and I agree. So let me try challenge on this. It seems to me, and I'm not. I don't think Citizens for Free Speech goes all the way here. Although a lot of your folks are, uh, I would say, are believers. But I, I just was uh, was looking at the words that I wrote down uh, the other day on this. If you know, a lot of people say culture is upstream from politics, and that makes a lot of sense, right? You know, when the culture's gone. But you know what's upstream from culture? You can't have culture. Upstream from culture is faith. Faith is upstream from culture. And, and so the question becomes, if you have uh, lost, if people have lost, and, and maybe it's like faith communities. It's not, I mean, it is faith. You got to have faith first to have faith community. But when you have this fragmented churches where there's not a real voice that sort of holds and pierces through to be a part of the culture, you just end up with this shallow culture. We have a culture. It's upstream politics. It's just a dirty, dead culture. And so how, you know, how do you, um, part of free speech is letting anybody speak and, and, and really letting the voices come. But right now, the voices that dominate are, you know, godless and, uh, and faithless. I don't know how that, um, I don't know how that can move things. Well, that cat, of course, the, 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 the woke culture is moving everything in their direction right now. And, of course, that is the problem because it's a very dangerous trend. 
the only, in my opinion, the only way, again, to, to have any relief from this whatsoever is by individual people re-engaging with culture to make their opinions, their thoughts, their whatever known to other people, to have that kind of communication. If they don't do that, if they stay silent, it just, it just reminds mm-hmm. you of what Edmund Burke said. Everybody knows this, this phrase, that yeah. all is needed necessary yep. for good men, or excuse me, for, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Well, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. It needs to stop. Good men and women and children, for that matter, need to stand up and be counted for what they know is true and they know is right, and if it doesn't fly, it doesn't fly. But, uh, you know, they've been silent for way too long, allowing these other, um, you know, culture breakers to come in and take over. It is. Um, I agree with you. I think that is a challenge. And, and the last thing, and I, I do have to go. I'm, I'm running out of time, but I'm so fascinated. And again, it's Patrick Wood and his organization is uh, Citizens for Free Speech and uh, Citizens for, excuse me, citizensforfreespeech.org is the website. Um, but the, the only question is, it feels like um, we have a dearth of leaders and people that are willing to sort of show the way. You get a Mike Lindell who gets his doors kicked in by, you know, lawsuits and lawfare, uh, Mike Flynn, even Donald Trump, as you, you're one of your comments in our exchange on email was, you know, the president of the United States at the time, Donald Trump is silenced. Uh, his free speech is taken away. It feels like there's not enough leaders showing the way. And I guess your point is that's a part of the call for action, too, is that we need leaders to step up. Absolutely. It is. You know, anybody can be a leader right where they are. We don't have to have a national leader, per se. Um, but mm-hmm. people need to realize that they they are the ones that have the influence and power in their own community if they would but exercise it. So, um, you know, people just need to get over the, well, I'm nobody, I'm, you know, I can't do anything. Get over that attitude. Uh, that's not the attitude we had in World War II, by the way, when we got attacked uh, in Pearl Harbor. Everybody and their brother right. ran down to get involved in the war. And most of them were private, yep. and they didn't care. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right, Patrick Wood, thank you. I should remind the people also over on Twitter, at Citizens underscore free, at Citizens underscore free, and we'll put it all up on social media. Thanks, Patrick. Keep, uh, keep in close contact. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll come right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Interstate abortions should be of concern to every pro-life activist. Missouri made headlines for being the first state in the union with no functioning abortion facilities. However, that doesn't mean that unborn children of Missouri are safe. Planned Parenthood's St. Louis location is still licensed to provide abortions, but they choose instead to ship expecting mothers across the Mississippi River to have their children killed. They do this because Illinois has far fewer regulations on abortion, meaning Planned Parenthood can cut corners when it comes to the mother's safety and her ability to make an informed choice. St. Louis is not the only city where this issue comes up. Nearly half of abortions performed in Kansas actually come from Missouri residents, according to the Kansas Department of Health. The streaming content service HBO Max even released a sickening movie about a Missouri teenager traveling to another state to get an abortion without telling her parents. The movie, called Unpregnant, was billed as a comedy. One particularly nauseating review of the movie commended how unpregnant cast abortion as not only essential, but ordinary, 
perhaps even comic. Despite what this movie may claim, there's nothing comic about abortion, no matter what state it's performed in. As pro-life states take bold action to fight back against the scourge of abortion, the practice of interstate abortion is growing in prominence. America's unborn children will never be safe until action has been taken in every state to protect them. However, there is a deeply personal application we can all make as well. Just because your town does not have an abortion facility does not mean that desperate mothers aren't being tempted with abortion. Explore the possibility of volunteering at a local pregnancy resource center. If your town doesn't have one, consider partnering with a local church or pro-life group to make pregnancy resources available to those in need. You never know how many children could be saved if you make abortion alternatives easier to reach than a distant abortion provider. The fight against interstate abortion needs our help. Please be aware and be involved. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Despite the outrageous pro-abortion stance of many liberals, the vast majority of American people value human life. More than ever, pro-life voices need to stay vigilant and be heard. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're not backing down. Please, join us in the battle for life at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be back. And let me give you an update on the um, Democrats stealing a seat in the U.S. House. Uh, you remember I talked about that a couple days ago. It's a Iowa state, excuse me, an Iowa congressional seat won by a Republican by six votes. And Nancy Pelosi and uh, the rules of the U.S. House of Representatives make it so the House and, and, and the, the members themselves can decide who to expel and who to accept. And in this case, they will have to expel a sitting member, Republican from Iowa, in favor of the Democrat who lost by six votes. Now, here's the update. Even the Los Angeles Times, which is not particularly uh, conservative, has weighed in and said, yeah, this is really corrupt. This is really not appropriate. And so hopefully you're seeing a shift. And here's the dirty little secret no one will tell you, but I will. That Nancy Pelosi doesn't care as long as she has a majority. And once you vote the rules of the House and you hold the majority, even just by one vote, which is what she did, then you're set. You're sort of the, you know, and again, it's not only her. Every Speaker of the House is a kind of dictator of the House, which is the control of the Congress, you know, in control of the House of Representatives and the building, the Capitol building, actually. It's one of the reasons why Pelosi uh, uh, was um, was actually had control uh, of the uh, Capitol grounds and the Capitol police and the Capitol uh, when they called in the guard and all that. That's why Pelosi was at the center of that and actually why she's really to blame. I mean, she was the one she fired the Capitol police um, chief and he said, yeah, look, I tried to do things and she wouldn't let me do things. So but anyway, but my point here is it looks like perhaps uh, that Iowa state, uh, excuse me, Iowa congresswoman will be allowed to stay in her seat and not be thrown out. But we'll see. We'll see. As I keep telling people, um, if you watched the uh, press re- the press conference with Joe Biden on Thursday afternoon, you saw a man that was, I believe, contemplating going all the way and deciding to go scorched earth, get rid of the filibuster, uh, do the things that would be <clears throat> in the history books, would be regarded as historic, meaning, you know, do things that were so dramatic, terrible, terrible for the country, terrible for everything. But um, here's the trick. Here's one trick I think Biden knows, one detail. The American people hate Congress, both parties. 
They hate them. It doesn't matter who they are. If you're in Congress right now, they just hate you. They hate, they hate the swamp. They don't trust it. So if the swamp starts screaming, this isn't fair, I'm not sure the American people care. Uh, so it's one of the reasons why I will tell you one of the, the wildest of the wild cards right now is when and how Donald Trump sort of reemerges. When he does that, I think it's going to have a big impact. And But here's, here's another part of this. Might it be too late? <clears throat> Again, what I saw from Joe Biden at that press conference on Thursday was a man who was contemplating how to go charging ahead and go all the way and uh, really, really uh, kind of uh, take things to the next level. That's what I saw. And I think around him are people like Susan Rice and others uh, that are ready to do it. Are ready to do it, and they're uh, they're going to bribe and uh, bribe, not, you know, legally bribe. In other words, promise things to Joe Manchin, promise things to other people, and just jam things through. I really think that's what's where we're headed. So we'll see. All right, thank you as always to Noah, our great technical director. Thank you to Joanna for booking our guests. Thank you for listening today. And please don't forget visit proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com, and sign up for the daily wink there and you will not be disappointed you get a daily email 8 a.m east coast time 5 a.m pacific time and in between and you will get what you need to know in an email lots of articles to read uh, just a few articles not lots but key ones and you won't regret it all right have a great day we'll talk to you tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report back tomorrow America Report on The Answer, San Diego.